In today's ultra-competitive business world, being a successful entrepreneur or business owner can be very challenging. Fortunately, contemporary times have blessed us with resources for tackling those challenges and getting us to success more quickly than we could have imagined. Welcome to The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs grow incredible companies. This podcast looks at the five keys to unlocking success as an entrepreneur. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason's mission is to use his gifts of teaching and leadership to help others get the results they want out of life. Join Jason every week and learn the keys to grow a truly successful business. Welcome to the show. I'm the real Jason Duncan. Glad you're here. This is a podcast where I interview some super successful entrepreneurs, just like our guest that you're going to meet in just a minute for today's show. And we talk about their uh, journey to success. Like, how did they grow the super successful companies that they own and operate today? And, and today's guest is no different. He's got some amazing stories and success that you're going to learn from, and how you, as an entrepreneur, can do some of the same things. Now, if you haven't, uh, if you're not watching this on YouTube, you're just listening to the audio version. First of all, thanks for listening, and we appreciate that. Please go subscribe, leave a five star review. If, uh, if you can't give us a five-star review, please email me. We'll talk about what I got to do. <laughs> like, what do I need to do to get to five stars in your brain? But uh, please subscribe. Leave us a good review. But if you're not watching on YouTube, make sure you go to youtube.com slash C slash The Real Jason Duncan. So youtube.com slash C as in channel slash The Real Jason Duncan. And you can watch these. We filmed these live and in person, Nashville, Tennessee, at the standard at the Smith House. It's 18,000 square feet of Southern sophistication and style, owned and operated by the one and only Josh Sterling Smith. It's uh, one of the top five cigar bars in the country. Wonderful restaurant, private club here. I'm honored to be a member, and I'm very thankful to Josh and his team for letting us use the Matador room here. So if you're watching this on YouTube, we're in this beautiful room, and uh, there's a big bullhead on the wall and this beautiful glass table. It's just just a phenomenal place. If you ever come to Nashville, make sure you look me up. I'm on the LinkedIn and Instagram at the real Jason Duncan and connect, and maybe we can get together and smoke a cigar, have a glass of bourbon or something, and hang out here while you're in Nashville. You got to make this a stop. You gotta you gotta come take a look at this. We're honored to be syndicated on the C-Suite Radio Network. Uh, that that's who pushes us out to all the players. So whether you're listening on Spotify, iTunes. Stitcher, wherever you're listening, we appreciate you listening. And C-Suite, we appreciate what you do to get us out into all those places. The sponsor for today's episode is 8Bend Marketing. And that's the number 8, B-E-N-D, dot marketing. That's their website, 8Bend, dot marketing. And if you go to 8Bend, dot marketing, slash root, you get a special offer on something. And let me tell you about what they do. So I'm a business coach. That's part of what I do. I own several businesses, but one of the things I do is I coach entrepreneurs on how to start, scale, enjoy, and exit their businesses. Well, I've got one of my customers who came to me, I don't know, it's been a year or so ago, with new messaging for their company, for their website, for their marketing uh, collateral and their sales materials. And I was blown away because it was so clear, so concise, so good, so good. I thought, I need to know who wrote this. And they told me it was 8Ben. So I reached out to 8Ben, met the owner, uh, and invited him to come to my office in Hendersonville, Tennessee, and work with me and my team on what we do to get our messaging right. Your words convey everything that people are going to know about your business. So make sure that your messaging is right. Make sure the story is correct. And that's what 8Ben does. So if you've got a business out there and you need to get your messaging done right, call 8Ben. Look them up. Go to 8Ben.Marketing slash root for a special offer. That's the number 8, B-E-N-D dot marketing slash root, as in root of all success. So they uh, thank them for, for uh, sponsoring the show today. So now, with all of that, Let's talk about why we're really here today, and that's to talk to another super successful entrepreneur. So my guest today is an entrepreneur, a real estate investor, a food service operations expert with over 30 years industry experience. Uh, he had his humble beginnings in uh, Boston, Massachusetts. He's all the way in here today in Nashville from Boston, and uh, he was the overnight baker turned, <laughs> turned manager for the Mr. Donut restaurant in Massachusetts. And his parents had pur purchased that Mr. Donut restaurant, uh, the franchise, in the mid-80s while, while he was in college. And a fun fact is that when he was in college, right after college, 
he was a ski instructor in Colorado for a year. Like, so his gap year, he spent not making donuts, but, uh, but uh, going out on the ski slopes. But he is a recognized and established franchisee and managing partner of Duncan and Baskin Robbins restaurants throughout Central Mass and Middle Tennessee. He uh, currently owns and operates 42 restaurants, two central manufacturing locations, and is expanding operations in both those markets in Massachusetts and in Nashville. And he's also looking to expand into the Memphis market. Uh, The operations he owns employ nearly 1,000 people, and they bake over 2 million donuts per year. And I might have had a couple of those. (laughs) And I can tell you this, my daughter, uh, my daughter's 18 and she loves Duncan. She stops at Duncan frequently and spends lots of money on uh, iced coffee. She loves going there. So please join me in welcoming the super successful entrepreneur for my episode today, the one and only Steve Catalano. Thanks for being here, man. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, you, you're a rock star, so we know each other for, uh, we don't know each other really well, but we met here at the club because you're a member here, and so when you come to Nashville, you come hang out here, and we sat down uh, and, and had a really long conversation one night, and I just was impressed from day one, so I'm honored that you've agreed to be on the show, so thank, thank you very much for being here. I know you got to head back to Boston after this, so thank you. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, we definitely had a great conversation that night, and I certainly appreciate what you do. And I love being a member here at the Standard. It's an absolutely fabulous place, and you meet the greatest people and get some really nice stories about different people and how they started their businesses and how they've continued their businesses. And uh, you, you do a lot of learning while you're having those cigars and a few bourbons, too. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. So, you, so your dad, your mom and dad had the, were, were in the donut business, was how you got it started. So tell us a little bit, tell the listeners about those first couple of years, I mean, was it a lot of fun getting up at 3 a.m. and going making donuts? Like, tell us about how that, how that all worked. Well, it's pretty interesting. When I was in college, my father, he was uh, an insurance salesman, and he decided he wanted to do his own business. So he went out on his own and uh, started a, the Mr. Donut franchise, or a store from Mr. Donut. And uh, my whole family worked in the business, my sisters, my mother. And um, it, was, it was really tough getting it going and getting it off the ground. And... I'd come home from school and I'd see them and, you know, they'd be working 24 hours a day. My father was baking at that time and my mother's working the, uh, you know, the front counter and, you know, hiring the, the folks to, uh, you know, the, the different team members and whatnot. Um, and when I, after I took my gap year and was out skiing, I came <laughs> back and hit reality and uh, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I, I, I got a, a, a BS in political science from Westfield State. And um, I thought I wanted to go into, um, you know, law and, 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 and politics and things like that. So I just started night baking, and um, I didn't know where it was really going to take me, but I knew, you know, at least I could do that and, and make some money. And when I was night baking, I had the days, you know, where I could, you know, look to see what else, you know, I could do and, and where I wanted to go. And then in 1990, um, Dunkin' Donuts corporately bought out Mr. Donut, which created a whole different opportunity for us, because Dunkin' was already a... a a well-established, um, known brand, especially starting in Quincy, Massachusetts. So it was a very regional brand, very understood brand, and we had opportunities to expand from there. So um, myself and my sister, we wound up expanding, and we bought some stores up in uh, New Hampshire and Vermont. My sister took over the, the operations in, in Massachusetts while I was up there, living up there, and you know, getting those stores going. What year, what year was, give us a time frame on when all that was going on. So that was in the uh, early 90s is when, when, so we converted to Dunkin' Donuts in, in 1990. And um, we're, we started to expand around 92, 93. We were able to, to move up and, and uh, purchase some stores, you know, that weren't running well. And it was an opportunity for us to turn them around and, you know, be able to uh, sort of use that as a stepping stone. So we um, went up, and I went up there and, and lived up there for six months. Um, some pretty interesting stories of living up in, up in Claremont, New Hampshire. But um, at any rate, we turned the stores around. We wound up selling the stores after three years, and we were able to bank some money that we were able to do some more expansion down in Massachusetts and buy some territory there. So uh, sort of stepping stones along the way, um, you know, started, you know, with the, with the baking and understanding the business and, the first day I was in the store, I remember my father handing me a small cup, and he's like, "Okay, time to clean the grease trap," you know. So it was it was a pretty interesting it was a pretty interesting start. 
but um, my father was my mentor and you know he still is my mentor and we still talk business all the time and um, I'm always learning from him. Well, you know, I, I, part of the, the kind of the central niche of the root of all success as a podcast is I want to talk to entrepreneurs who are founders and it wasn't a franchise or a family business. So you are a little bit outside that, but I, but I, but I did this on purpose and I'm bringing this up for on, on purpose too, because it, I think it, it speaks to how successful you are is that if, if you just owned a Duncan or a basket Robbins, first of all, you probably wouldn't be a member here and we wouldn't, we would know each other, but, but that doesn't make you an entrepreneur, you're a business owner because the systems are already built and already in place and you're just making sure they run and don't fail. But what I see in you, Steve, and based on what I know about your story, and as I read in the intro, 42 restaurants, two central, manu central manufacturing locations, expanding, building, buying, selling, that's the entrepreneur in you, right? It's not, you didn't just take over dad's business. You didn't just buy a brand that was already established. You're doing the entrepreneurial things. And I think that business owners and entrepreneurs get confused about who they are. You know, some people think they're entrepreneurs or just business owners. Some people think that they're entrepreneurs and they're just business owners, like I said, but some people think they're business owners, but they're really entrepreneurs. They don't recognize that risk and innovation is really the key. And that's what you did. I mean, based on the stories that you've told me and what we were going to talk about today, you didn't just buy franchises. You're building out an empire and you've got 42 stores and two central manufacturing. That I think is why I wanted you on the show, because I think you are you, you are that outlier for the franchise and family business guy that says, hey, I can take what dad started and I can turn this into an empire. So is that how you see it? Like, how do you see yourself? Well, it's interesting because, um, you know, the franchise business gives you a start. And one of the things that I like about Dunkin' Donuts versus the other franchises, we get to own our own real estate. We control our supply chain. We control our marketing to a, a great extent. We have a, uh, an elected board that um, handles marketing. Same thing with our distribution center. We don't buy from Cisco or PFG or any of those other, you know, um, sort of um, staple uh, food purveyors. We have a board that actually goes out and buys the coffee beans and the, and the flour and so forth. And then the biggest thing is the real estate. So from the real estate piece, we've created a real estate business. Uh, basically, with we have multi-tenant um, buildings. We have single-tenant buildings. It's nice to be able to have the franchises and anchor on those buildings. And then, you know, you can put in different tenants and so forth, um, you know, from that. So we've done really well with the, with the real estate piece of the business as well, even to the point where we, um, we started a, an Italian restaurant in Pepperell, Mass. And it started because of the real estate. So um, I bought the piece of real estate. It was a Bank of America building, and I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. And this kind of goes to the story about being prepared understanding you know what you're getting into and um and learning from your failures so this was all in one for me i fell in love with the property i built the restaurant we built the restaurant we wanted to have a scratch restaurant no microwaves nothing in there you know uh, just everything was fresh but the size of the restaurant being a bank of america was not big enough to sustain that type of a business we couldn't turn the tables fast enough uh, we didn't have enough tables so we couldn't, we couldn't get over that hump with it. So I wound up selling the, the business in the, in the real estate, um, but it was, a, it was a lesson learned. And one of the things that I always say to people is, you know, you learn more from your failures than you do from your successes. Amen. And you put those in, your, you put those in the back of your mind and then you, um, you, know, you, you, you kind of learn from that. So, uh, but we do focus on the real estate piece of the business quite a bit. Um, and down here in central um, and, and, and mid-Tennessee, that's one of the things that we're, we're picking up a lot of pieces of real estate uh, to go along with the, with the franchise. And isn't that kind of the, I mean, the, the famous story of McDonald's being a real estate company, not really a hamburger company, isn't that kind of their model too? Is it that, that the fact that they own that real estate and they lease it to the franchisees or the owners of the stores, that's kind of their, that's how they make money. And it sounds like you're building your own little empire the same way, but just with Duncan and Baskin Robbins. Well, that's exactly it. So McDonald's is basically a real estate company. The franchisees that uh, were, you know, that are McDonald's franchisees, they're told they go to the McDonald's school and then they're told where to go in the country as far as where McDonald's has their has their um, real estate. So they go in and that's that's your typical franchising, I would say. You know, they go in 
and um, they run the, the, the McDonald's store, but they buy all their product from McDonald's, so McDonald's gets something on their food that they sell to their franchisees. They charge them rent on the, on the buildings that they own. But McDonald's is basically, it's a, um, it's a real estate. It's like Sears and Roebuck. Sears and Roebuck, same type of model. You know, Sears owns most of the malls that they're in, so you see they're, they're failing as far as the stores go. But um, their real estate holdings is, are just amazing. Really? See, I did not know that. That's, that's, that's a new piece of information I wasn't expecting to learn today. So Sears is still viable only because they own real estate. Because they, then they have a ton of real estate holdings, most of the malls that they're in. And that's sort of one of the models that, that you know, on a micro scale, you know, we're Dunkin' Donuts as the, the anchor tenant in our, our buildings. Then we have sometimes dry cleaners. Dry cleaners go very well with Dunkin' Donuts. People drop off their dry clean in the morning. They get their coffee, come back the next morning. They pick up their dry cleaning and they, and they pick up their coffee. So that works very well. Convenience stores work very well also with, uh, with us. And um, we've had success with uh, hairdressers as well, hair salons and so forth. So, um, so with why Nashville, like you, you're obviously, you're from Boston, you're from the Massachusetts area, spent some time in New Hampshire, but why Nashville? What was it about Nashville that said, I got to get, I got to get there and buy some stores or build a plant. I mean, what, what was it about here? Well, it's a funny story. It's, this was actually the last stop on, on our sort of tour. So I have a friend and a partner, Matt Campobasso, who, um, I know from Massachusetts, he's an attorney, uh, by trade and he wanted to get into franchising. Um, and so I went through, I, I sat with him, would go golf, and I'd tell him all about all these different franchises because, you know, I've kind of investigated all of them, the pros, the cons, what works, what doesn't work. And I came down to it and I said, Matt, you know, why don't we just do a Dunkin', you know, why don't you get into Dunkin' Donuts and we'll, you know, we'll find someplace else in the country because Massachusetts is so densely populated with, with Dunkin' Donuts that um, Duncan was sort of incentivizing people to, that were seasoned franchisees to look at different parts of the country. So we went to um, Minneapolis, we went to Gulfport, Mississippi, we went to Denver, Colorado. And um, so uh, Nashville was the last one that sort of there were stores for sale. Uh, and it was a, a very emerging market and so forth. So um, what year was this when this happened? This was uh, six years ago. Okay. So um, Matt says to me, you know, we've, we've been traveling all over, you know. I mean, I, we, all, we both like Gulfport, Mississippi. It was a little problem because, you know, insurance, uh, because of the floods and, and the uh, hurricanes and so forth. And, you know, we kind of were, that was a, kind of a little bit of a sticking point. And he said, you know, what are we going to Nashville for? It was probably tumbleweeds blowing across the street there. <laughs> That's what, that's yeah, 2015 the, Nashville, tumbleweeds. That's yeah. what's going on. And that's that, so that's Boston. And we were so wrong, obviously. Uh -huh. So when we got down here, we got off the plane. This is another, we, we get off the plane, it's January, and we think we're going down south and we're wearing shorts, you know? So it's like 19 degrees outside, you know? So that was... <laughs> on, Welcome to Nashville. Welcome to Nashville, exactly. So well, we fell in love with it. And we wound up uh, buying three different franchisees out here, out um in the central, uh, in this middle Tennessee area. And then we've, uh, built 10 stores since, uh, you know, over the, over the course of the six years, uh, opening our latest one in, in Portland, um, about a month ago. Yeah. Portland. So Portland, Tennessee for the listeners is just about 40 minutes north of Nashville, downtown Nashville, 30, 40 minutes north of downtown and, and, uh, good, quaint little town. Actually, I've owned two homes in Portland. And, uh, so I'm familiar with the area, even though I don't live there now. So you've got 42 stores now, 42 restaurants now. Where are they? How, like, what's the split between Massachusetts and Tennessee? How's that split up? It's almost even. I mean, when we first came, we have 20 stores in Massachusetts. So, uh, and 22 down here now. Uh, and like I say, over the past six years, we've, we've built 10 stores down here. Wow. So, and you've got the two manufacturing locations, which actually that's the way I heard about you from the beginning was that, you, when, when they were serving donuts here at the club for breakfast, they were saying, yeah, the guy who actually bakes the donuts brings the donuts in here. He's a member of the club. So where is there a bakery here in Nashville? Is that what that is? In Madison. In Madison, Tennessee, which is, again, just north of Nashville, part of the suburbs. And is there another bakery in Boston? Do you have one up there? We do on Devons. It's, a, it's an old um, army, army fort that was converted over to, uh, you know, sort of civilian businesses and warehouses and whatnot. Now, is that normal for a Baskin Rock, I mean, a Dunkin' Donuts 
franchisee to also own the manufacturing of the donuts? Is that normal? Um, all, all of the manufacturing locations are owned by franchisees, but uh, we do deliver to a lot of franchisees. So okay. um, it's a little, it's a little, um, little off the off the norm. Interesting. Well, and I would like to point out for all of the listeners that Duncan and my last name are not the same. <laughs> I have been called Duncan Donuts my whole life because my last name is Duncan, but I'm here to tell you that Duncan Donuts is a verb. It's Duncan, as in you are Duncan a donut in coffee or something, where my last name is D-U-N-C-A-N, like Duncan, like Duncan Hines. You know, that there, if you're going to call me something, call me that. <laughs> but I've been called Duncan Donuts my whole life. And honestly, kind of soured me to the con- to the whole brand. I'm like, I don't want to go there. People have been calling me that my whole life. <laughs> but your coffee, and, and actually, you rebranded the, the 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 franchise or the corporate rebranded away from donuts in the name, right? So it's just now Duncan. Is that am I am I understanding that right? You did, yeah. So what they did was um, everybody focused on the donuts piece, and um, we've got such a wide variety of offerings now from grilled cheese sandwiches to avocado toast. Uh, so it's it's more than just um, a, a donut shop. Uh, and we want to really highlight our coffee as well, our new you know espresso lines with our lattes and caramel swirls and Charlie drinks and all these other beverages that we have, refreshers that we have. So it's, it's more than just the Dunkin' Donuts. Um, like when I started, it was really the Dunkin' Donuts. It was, donuts, it was all about the donuts. And, you know, uh, keeping those cases full all the time and, you know, all the different varieties and whatnot. And I even, we were, I was talking to someone yesterday and they're from Massachusetts and they were looking for a district manager job. And um, they were talking about how every Sunday they'd all load in the car and go to Dunkin' Donuts and Swansea Mass, you know, so it was it was kind of a funny story because I'd be the guy behind the glass making the donuts on Sunday mornings. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Uh, how is Baskin Robbins uh, uh, connected? Because I know that in my town where I live, the Dunkin' Donuts and the Baskin Robbins share almost the same lobby. There's just there's a half wall between, but they're what, what are they owned by the same company or is it just franchise franchisees like you putting those two uh, concepts together? Well, how how's the, how do those connect? So um, Dunkin' Donuts wound up buying out Baskin Robbins probably 25 years ago or so. So Baskin Robbins was very well established in California. It was a California brand. Dunkin' Donuts uh, started in 1950 in Quincy, Massachusetts. So you have the two sort of opposite coasts, two different day parts. So you have the morning day part with the, uh, you know, the coffee and the donuts and the breakfast sandwiches and so forth. And then you have the afternoon, evening sort of treats um, piece of it. So putting those two brands together, um, they fought, felt at the time would work out really well. Then you you have a an all day concept versus just having a morning concept. So our business our business is really the peak hours are like six o'clock in the morning till ten o'clock in the morning. Then after that everything kind of drops off. Whereas you have like McDonald's has a breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So this adding the Baskin Robbins adds you know keeps that real estate moving. Um, you know, longer into the day versus just having the, the, the Duncan. Yeah, well, that, make, that makes a lot of sense. So now when, you, when we go back to from, uh, from college to the gap year in Colorado doing the ski thing to, to today owning 42 restaurants, what was the kind of the buildup to that? When was it, did you like raise your hand and say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to run these restaurants. This is what, how, how long ago did that happen and how did you come to that decision? So it was probably um, always the decision. And uh, when I first started, and uh, you know, working at uh, Mr. Donut, I would have probably gone on to something else, um, had it not been for Duncan buying out Mr. Donut, because that's that's what kind of created the opportunities. You know, always in my mind, you know, I wanted to you know build something, and the opportunity to build something as a Mr. Donut wasn't there. It was just kind of a filler, you know, as far as time went, and then. You know, we sat down um, and we talked about, you know, the opportunities with the Duncan and, you know, and sort of, so when we started, uh, it was started and it was a Mr. Donut because Duncan Donut, the initial franchise fee was too high. So the Mr. Donut was a lot less to to get in. It was like $3,000 for a Dunkin' Donut and $1,500 for a Mr. Donut, you know, at the time. (laughs) Can I buy one today? But but it was, it, it, it was, it was just too much and, you know. Um, 
the the feeling was that um, you know let's start this and see how it would go and you know I mean even even building the stores we have to we build our own stores the franchise does not come in and build the stores for us we go out and we uh, you know we acquire all of our cabinets and you know our mill work we hire our own contractors we do all of our own we do all of our own work at our own cost so um, the development piece was a little bit daunting and um, when we first expanded into New Hampshire and Vermont there were existing stores they just weren't run right and my sister and I knew that we could fix it and so we went in and we fixed them and we knew it was going to be a short-term type of a situation we actually wound up we actually wound up buying real estate there so I guess that was our first acquisition of real estate um, and wound up selling that piece of real estate with the network which also helped the the value of, of, of the network as well so um, but it was always there to, to grow, and it's still right now. I mean, you know, when you talk about um, defining success and, and really what you want to do, it's, you know, I, I define it as, you know, doing something you love doing, something that you're passionate about. That's what I, I feel makes, makes you successful because if you're passionate about what you do and you wake up every morning and you really want to do what you're doing and, you know, you have different plans and you're preparing for different things, whether they happen or they don't happen, you still go through the motions and you learn more about how to make it happen next time if it doesn't happen this time. Um, we have a we have real estate um, deal down here that I'm, I'm super proud of. Uh, it was a piece of property that we really wanted. I, I, I fell in love with the property. I, I kind of do that sometimes. And um, it was under contract. And I talked to the real estate broker and I said, listen, can you call this person like every week, even though it's under contract? And so finally the guy said, you know, it's under contract. And, you know, he said, why, why don't you just have, have him come over, have me come over. So I went over and I met him and I talked to him and we hit it off. And um, we talked for, I don't know, we must have talked for, I don't know, a couple of hours. And we were just talking about life and business and, and different things like that. And lo and behold, a week later, the thing fell out of contract. I got the call and he said, you want it? And I'm like, absolutely. No, I'll change my mind. I don't want it anymore. You know, so it was, it's all about sort of, you know, I mean, not sort of. It's all about being diligent, um, you know, and being passionate about what you do. And, you know, when, you, when you're passionate about what you do and you like what you do, um, you find success. My father once told me, he said, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. So, um, you know, if you're sitting back and you're thinking that, you know, luck is just going to strike you or... You know, you look around, I look around, I love to walk around, you walk around the city and you look and you think every single building, every single business is owned by somebody and they started it. And I say, why not me? You know, why not, you know, you know, and, and that's kind of my mantra on everything is um, if you see it, somebody started it. If they, you know, if, 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 if you're buying it, someone built it. So the opportunities are just unlimited and it's, for me, that's, Super exciting. I get very excited about things like that. Well, I love I love what you're saying, Steve. And I, I want to ask you this question. I ask every guest. I ask them to define success in their own words, which you already did without me asking you. But my follow-up to that is, do you consider yourself to be successful? And if so, why? If not, why not? Well, I'm passionate about what I do. I love what I do. I love business, both, uh, you know, the, the success side when you actually – attain what you're trying to get and even when you don't and then you know you skin your knees a little bit that you know and you learn those lessons um the whole both sides of it i mean i don't like to skin my knees too often but you know you're gonna and if you i guess if you're not trying hard enough you won't skin your knees because it's and this is what you know from a, a kind of a little ski cliche you know if you don't fall down you're really not trying you know because the harder you try and the more things you, the more you put yourself out there, the more times you have the opportunity to either succeed or fail, and you're not going to succeed every time. So, yeah, I, I mean, from that that perspective, um, yes. Well, I'm, I'm and, and I think from the outside perspective, people who know you, like I know you from the outside looking in, yeah, we would think you're successful. But you look at the outcome, you know, success dictionary definition of success is did you achieve the results intended. And what you define success as doing what you're passionate about, enjoying those things. Well, you're doing something you're passionate about and enjoy. So by definition, you are successful. And I love what you said about skinning your knees and falling down. You got to try hard. 
is that I know, and I've known this for a long time, and every entrepreneur listening to this show will know this, is that you learn failure is a much better teacher than success. Like if you succeed, 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 all I do is succeed. Well, you're probably pretty dumb because that, like, you. What have you learned? You haven't learned anything. You fail. Ah, oh, now, now I've got something I can build on. And Tom, the famous quote from Thomas Edison. You know, he took him ten thousand tries to make the first commercially viable electric light bulb. He said, "I didn't fail ten thousand times. I learned how not to do it. Like I figured out everything taught him something." And I love what you're saying about skinning your knees and learning to fall because you've got to be able to do that. Um, so, and I, I kind of prepped you for this, so I know that, I know that this is not going to be a surprise to you, but these five P's of success that I kind of talked to my guests about on the root of all success starts with passion. You've already used the word passion about that's part of your definition of success. And the passion has two sides to it. There's an emotional side of passion. Like I get excited about things and maybe you get excited about donuts. Maybe you don't, but, but I do, but you do. Okay. <laughs> and we'll talk about that. Might need another show for that, but, but we, uh, but there's this excitement and enjoy about doing something. And, and that's one side. And a lot of entrepreneurs are, are success who are successful do have that passion, but the, it's the mental side of passion that I find that is in everybody's story. It's the ability to endure. Because that's what the word passion, if you go back and look at where it came from, that's what that word means. It means the ability or desire to endure. And so the passion of the Christ was not about his excitement to go to the cross. It was about his ability and desire to endure because of a greater cause. So tell us, tell the listeners about how passion, that part of passion appeared in your story of building this empire, this donut empire. As, as far as enduring, um, that's sort of what you do, you know, uh, just on an everyday basis from um, you, you're dealing with a lot of different personalities, you're dealing with a lot of different situations. And every situation is a little different, which actually is enjoyable to me because it's, it's not like, you know, um, just doing the same thing every day. I can hear something new almost every day. And I can't believe that I can after this many years, but you do, and you, you have different situations and you have to react to the situations. And it's really about how you react to the situation is how you endure through, you know, through the different, different times. Some things are really fun and really good and, and they're good to hear. And, you know, I'll see someone, you know, I'll, I'll see people celebrating in a, in, a, in a store, you know, over drive-through times and they'll get a cake for the whole crew. And, you know, that's great. And, you know, um, those are the fun things. And then there are less fun things and performance issues and, you know, customer complaints and different things that you have to deal with on that end. Um, there's also, you know, uh, mechanical, uh, you know, things that you have to kind of work with. We have a lot of, um, you know, whether it's HVAC or ovens or uh, trucks or delivery vehicles or whatever it is, you know. So there's, there's always something different happening. And um, you sort of endure through all those different things for the greater good to make the outcome for everybody. You know, so one of the things that we do that's very important to us is our corporate culture. So um, Jess Halloran uh, is our marketing uh, slash corporate culture person. So it's whether it's celebrating people's birthdays or you know appreciating people for different things that they do, um, it's super important and, it, and we weave it into the fabric of our business. Uh, because we're a people business, not just a coffee business and, you know, um, donut business. It's, it's all about the people, both on, on both sides of the, the counter. And, um, so everybody has to endure through different things that they have to endure through, too. And as a company, we want to be there for every, all of our team members and make sure that um, we're all enduring through what we have to do on a day-to-day -day basis, whether it's personal, professional work-related, non-work-related, um, and, and there are a lot of situations that come up throughout the, the course of a day, a week, a month, um, and, and, you know, when you get to the end of the year and you look back, and, and we'll sit, Matt and I will sit, and we'll talk about the year and review over a bourbon and a cigar, and um, there's a lot, of, a lot of different things that come up, a lot of different situations. So you said you're also you have the emotional passion of donuts. So tell us about that. What's so like that gets your juices flowing. You really, really enjoy donuts. I can't tell you how many donuts I've eaten in my lifetime. 
I've eaten probably more than anybody. <laughs> well, you look like you've lost weight since the last time you and I hung out. I had to so I can eat more donuts. <laughs> <laughs> now that is good. You, you know, know, I don't often eat donuts, but when I do, it's more than one. <laughs> I don't. Has anybody ever eaten one donut? No, like, they're like potato chips. It's like you know, one. it's yeah, no one eats one potato chip. You know, once you open a bag, you're in trouble. You know. <laughs> So the first P of my kind of these keys to success that I discovered over these years of interviewing very successful entrepreneurs is passion. We just talked about that. The second one is place, being at the right place, the right time. So you didn't really control your dad's decision to buy the Mr. Donut franchise. But what was it about that place that made that the right place, right time for your dad, which eventually split over into your success? So as far as place goes, um, as we built, as we built the, as, as I, when we sat down and, you know, thought about the business and you think about one family owning one store. So that, that's not, that's not feasible. It's, it's just not viable, especially back in, you know, in the days of Mr. Donut. So we had to put together a plan and the plan basically was the growth plan or to start growing and how we were gonna do the growth. So the place being either the first store that we had or our first expansion into you know, New Hampshire and Vermont um, played a, a key part, an integral part in starting the growth that we had. So we bought, would buy the stores at a very low price, we'd be able to transform those stores and we'd be able to sell those stores and, and then take that money and invest in another area. So it was all about that planning and, 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 and placement of the stores that we had, to, we had to acquire. So at that point in time, we wouldn't have been able to acquire stores in Nashville, Tennessee. It was just too far. I'd be driving, you know, at that time, I was driving back and forth between the Massachusetts store stores. There were only, I think, three stores in Massachusetts at the time. Well, Nashville's ended up being one of those right places at the right time, too, hasn't it? Nashville definitely has. Nashville, Nashville was it's, it's ca like catching lightning in a bottle. I've never seen anything like it before. I don't know if I ever will, but um, when we came down six years ago, we said, we looked at each other and we said, wow, I wish we were here like, you know, three years before. We, we, we just missed it. And boy, <laughs> we didn't just miss it. It's just, it's just, it's just taken off. We have stores out in Wilson County, and Wilson County, I think, is one of the fastest-growing counties in, in, in definitely in the state and maybe even the country, uh, with all the all the all the construction and building and Amazon putting a million square feet in over there. It's probably the biggest building I've ever seen. I don't know if you've ever been out and, and seen that Amazon building. It's a million square feet on three levels. It's just absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. So for the listeners, Wilson County is just east of Nashville east of Davidson County, where Nashville's located, and the whole area is growing. And, it, and that, is, that is really interesting. I'm, I'm a Nashville guy. I grew up here, and uh, I'm one of the, what they call the unicorns because nobody who lives here is from here. But uh, I remember, you know, I learned to ride a bike over here in East Nashville on a sidewalk, and I, I remember watching, you know, watching East Nashville go through its really bad days, and now they're having this regentrification and its resurgence, and they're putting stores in, and the skyline, oh my gosh, the things that are growing. And you think, like you said, we were a little late, we missed the, no, it's still going. It's unbelievable how much it's growing here. So for those of us who are listening around the world, what is the right place for you? Where is it? Because it might not, you can't be Nashville for everybody, but if you're here, capitalize on it. Right place, right time. The third P is knowing the right people. And so tell, tell the listeners the people in your life, uh, you don't have to name them by name, but like give us examples of people that said that you can look back to and say, if this person hadn't been a part of my life, I don't know that I would have achieved success. I mean, what do you have people like that you can think of in your life? I'm, your dad's got to be one of those people for sure, right? Yeah, my father absolutely is one of those people. Um, he, <clears throat> he was, he's, he's been instrumental in, in everything that we've done. Uh, he's been ultra supportive. Uh, he's, he's more conservative than I am as far as, um, you know, my, my sort of where I wanted to bring the company, which actually was very helpful because um, the mix between us really works out very well. Uh, and it's sort of the same mix that I have with my partner, Matt Campobasso, down here too. Uh, he's more on the conservative side. I'm more on the, you know, the, the, I go a little bit harder on different ideas and things like that. 
Um, and, but the mix is really what, what makes it work. And so I would, I definitely, you know, my father is, you know, he's absolutely the best. And even for him to, you know, I mean, he's had me, I was in college, my sister was in college when he first left his job to do his own thing. And that, that entrepreneurial spirit, you know, I will never forget or never forget to appreciate uh, because that really got me, got me off and, and, and running. Is he involved at all in any of your businesses today? Oh, I keep his, his desk is still in the office. It sits in my office right across from me. So um, he's down in Florida a lot. He's 81 years old right now. But he'll come into the office and, you know, we'll go to lunch and he'll sit at his desk. But his desk will always be there. So, yeah. Well, there's always that person. And I think entrepreneurs, this weird paradox of entrepreneurialism is that we're all independent people by nature because we are otherwise we wouldn't be able to succeed the way we succeed but the paradox is that if you if you are independent so much that you don't recognize how other people are going to influence and improve your life and bring you to success you're going to miss it it's a poison independence can be a poison that will kill entrepreneurs if they're not careful and i i think that we you know those of us like you and a lot of my guests they can point to their parents their dad their mom somebody that really was instrumental in getting catapulting them to success it's important to pay attention to that. I had a guest one time who, who's uh, on the show whose dad was so pivotal in his life. I don't think he, I mean, he knew it, but I don't think he really realized it until we started talking about it. I said, holy crap, you know, dad, that, yeah, he's the guy. Wouldn't be here today if he hadn't done it. So, well, the, the fourth P, uh, Steve, is, is that of preparation, and the, it's the know-how. And it's the know-how to be able to succeed. And, and you said you started as that overnight baker and then you turned into the manager. It sounds to me like that part of your life early in the donut business really was kind of the preparation to get you ready for am I, am I reading that right? Or is there some other thing that prepared you for success? No, I mean that, that definitely, um, that definitely played a part, but as far as the preparation, uh, you know, I think preparation is an ongoing word, uh, something that, you know, you have to continually stay on top of. And every venture that you do, um, whether it's buying the real estate on something or trying a new business venture, it's really, the preparation is the key to everything. You have to, in my opinion, you have to really understand what you're doing and when you're doing it and what effect it has on, so on your business, if it was a piece of real estate or on people. So even for us now, and you know, when we're talking a little bit earlier, I was telling you about how we're doing a little restructuring. You know, we did, a, you know, we, we had some learnings uh, with, with COVID and, you know, um, we've improved in some areas that um, were unexpected. Um, so understanding to constantly be preparing for, you know, the future and being able to prepare for what changes, whether it's technology or people or the government or whatever it is throws at you, um, you need to always, in my opinion, be preparing. Yeah. The final P I, I mentioned, and I see in people's stories, because I see passion and I see place and people and preparation in your story, is that a plan. And a lot of times when I mention that, people think, well, you're talking about a business plan. No, not necessarily. Some people have written business plans, some people don't, but the, and that's not an indicator of success. But the plan I'm talking about is the financial resource plan. Like, how are you going to get the financial resource? Are you going to obtain them? How are you going to deploy them? What's your strategy? So when you started out, it sounds to me, based on your stories, that you and your sister had the plan of, hey, let's just buy some maybe more depressed stores that need help, and then we're going to do a short turnaround, and that'll finance the next big thing. Is that right? Is that Was that your plan? That was our plan. Um, and those days, the, the plan was a lot different than, than these days from a standpoint of um, back when we did those stores, our stores were unbankable. So you couldn't go to the bank and, you know, as far as financing, they'd look at you and it was all used restaurant equipment, you know, so the, the value was like pennies on the dollar. So you, you really couldn't get financing. So you really had to scrape and, and, and put together whatever you, what you, whatever you could. I remember, um, I remember one week we did, you know, two, a biweekly payroll and um, we were up, I was up in Claremont and um, I had a visa, a payroll. And I'll tell you what, I, for the next two weeks, so meals tax fell on the same week as payroll. So you'd use a little bit of the float all the time, you know, with the payroll in order to get through to the next week when things were really tight. 
And so um, in the winter, our business is really tight. January and February are tight, tight months. Usually still, even now, you really have to button the, you know, the chin strap. But um, I just remember, you know, and I was like, you know, this is just, this is just nuts. I don't, I got to make sure we have enough money in the bank for the next payroll. I mean, payroll is absolutely, obviously, the most important thing. It has to be out on, you know, the Thursday. Uh, so... But it, it's interesting because you go through those those sort of phases, and again, you, you you learn a lot about yourself, about your business, about your business plan, about your plan for the future. You learn about everything. It all's very clear. Very well, clear. I, I I think that some sometimes we underestimate that as entrepreneurs, and sometimes I think we overestimate it. So, and what I mean by that is that underestimating is we don't even think about it. Hey, you know, we're going to make this happen. I'm a great salesperson. Well, if you don't have the financial resources, it doesn't matter how good you can sell because you might. You might not live long enough on, on your cash that you have now to get to the sale that closes. And then we overestimate it by thinking, well, that's we got to go get investments right now. When in reality, there's a, there's a middle ground somewhere in between where you can figure out, like you said, hey, let's just go buy some depressed stores, turn those around, flip them, make a few hundred thousand or whatever that number was. Let's make some money to go to the next one. I even had a, a guest on here who was doing $20 million a year in, in a uh, landscaping talking about, hey, maybe maybe your deal that you're trying to get going, just go do something for a little, run a job, run a business and some other thing for a little bit to get your next thing going. And I love that. It's like, we gotta figure out how we're gonna get this plan working because success is what we want. And you've been successful and you've done it through passion and being in the right place, the right time, right people, preparation and plan. If, an, if you had the ears of entrepreneurs as you're they're listening right now, and they wanted a piece of advice from a super successful guy like you who's built this donut empire, this coffee empire, this ice cream empire. What would you say to them? Like, these are the pieces of advice I'd give you. What would you say? I'd say prepare and do your homework. Whatever, whatever it is that you're doing, you know, that, that preparation, like I said, is, is so important because you can't wind up getting into a situation where um, you run out of money, you run out of funds, you run out of, um, you know, opportunity the business can't hit the hit the wall and you know all of a sudden you'd be done so uh, doing your homework is important and uh, again equally as important is people we're all in the people business it's all about people people you know whether they're your customers whether they're your team members um, and really make sure that uh, from a people perspective you're, you're buttoned down because that's what it is whether you're selling widgets donuts or hamburgers it's it's all about people that is right. We're, oh, that's the one constant in every business. It does no business can operate without people. So thank you for doing that. And you know what? I, I, I want to say this as we as we kind of finish up our conversation is that knowing you, even though we don't know each other extremely well, we have spent a few good evenings hanging out here at the Standard just talking. Um, you're you're a very encouraging guy, and I appreciate that about you. I appreciate that you encourage me. I see you encouraging other people. And success has not gone to your head. You, you, you seem like, even though I didn't know you before you were the successful guy, you seem to me like the kind of guy who's just been the same. Like you're just the dude that will make the donuts. I'll run the company and make the whatever I got to do. You encourage me, and I hope that this has been an encouragement to the listeners. So how could they get in touch with, they wanted to reach out to you or any of your companies, how would they get in touch with Steve Catalano? So um, our, our website is uh, root65dd.com. That's roots all spelled out. Or they can reach out to jessica.halloran at catalanocompanies.com. And spell her name so that we know how to do that. J-E-S-S-I-C-A, jessica.halloran, H-A-L-L-O-R-A-N, at catalanocompanies, all spelled out, C-A-T-A-L-A-N-O-C-O-M-P-A-N-I-E-S.com. Yeah, so that's a lot. So for those of you that are listening, you can rewind that. You can write that down. If you're watching on uh, on YouTube, or actually even if you're listening in the show notes, there'll be contact information for uh, for you guys to get in touch with uh, Steve and his, his company. Well, there you have it. Another successful entrepreneur story. And uh, every single time, I'm telling you, that's the theme of this whole podcast, the root of all success, is how do people grow successful companies? And even though Steve is not the entrepreneur in the sense that founded a specific company. What we've seen him do is build an empire 
out of the franchise model through real estate and investing in other concepts and ideas. And his success is amazing. And it, and it went through these same things that everybody else does. Passion and place, be at the right place at the right time, knowing the right people, being prepared, having a plan. And we can see that in his story. And it's encouraging to me as an entrepreneur who owns several companies. And I hope that it's encouraging to you as an entrepreneur who either owns one, starting one, or you own several, I hope that this story of success from Steve Catalano and his companies will encourage you. Now, my thing that I want to offer you, as I do at the end of most of these episodes, is I, the, I, if you want to know what your probability of success is, like if you're asking yourself, well, how do I know if I'm going to be successful? I'm still working a job. I'm still a W-2 employer. I'm a salesman. How do I know if what I do, if I take the leap, Am I going to be successful? Well, I've got something for you. It's free success assessment based on the five P's that I talk about here on the show. Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash success. That's therealjasonduncan.com slash success. And remember, it's D-U-N-C-A-N, <laughs> not D-U-N-K-I-N like Dunkin' Donuts. But uh, go to therealjasonduncan.com slash success, and there's a free uh, five P's of success assessment. It's only 17 questions. It won't take you that long. And based on your answers to those questions, you're going to get a personalized report sent to your email inbox that'll show you, hey, based on what you said, your odds of success in this business venture are high, low, medium, whatever it happens to be, with some, with some action items and things that you can do. Maybe it's a coach you need to reach out to or a bookkeeper that you need to help you kind of figure some of the plan out. But whatever it is, just go to therealjasonduncan.com slash success. Take that assessment. It's completely free. You'll be given that uh, report in your email almost immediately after you hit the submit button. So you, so go do that. Continue to listen to The Root of All Success with me, The Real Jason Duncan, where next week I'll be with yet another super successful entrepreneur and find out about his or her rise to success and what keys they used to get there. So until next time, I'm The Real Jason Duncan, and Jesus is King. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, we invite you to visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Take charge of your business. Grow it from great to incredible. Join us again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.